Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Crystal Silence League Hour, live from Divine Harmony Spiritual Church in Knoxville, Tennessee, on the LMC Radio Network, a show dedicated to open-minded discussion of spirituality, new thought, prayer, and the practical use of crystals. And now, your host, the Reverend John St. Germain. Good evening. Sorry I've been gone a little while. We had uh, floods and we had uh, freezing weather, <laughs> basically all the, uh, the typical weather of uh, Knoxville, Tennessee that we have. You know, we uh, we have about 12 seasons in Knoxville, in East Tennessee, and uh, there's never a specific season that we have here. We don't have winter, spring, summer, and fall. It's, it's never that simple here. Um, it's an exciting amalgam of different weather patterns. We, we we have a river valley, basically. We're in a valley, a river valley. And so various weather systems, as they perambulate around the country, get sucked in and trapped by the low-pressure areas, and they uh, meander around this part of the country and uh, have exciting little adventures among themselves. It's uh, you know, very interesting, very interesting. I have a... 89-degree weather one day and 32-degree weather the next day. Uh, your metabolism attempts to keep up with it, creating interesting uh, reactions in the body and the mind. and uh, uh, You know, your moods swing to keep up with it. So, uh, uh, you know, they are. One day you're out on, on the roof getting a suntan, and the next day you're wearing layers of sweaters. So, yeah, hey, there you go. Uh, this is the Right Reverend John St. Germain, your jovial host in the spiritual adventures that we have. We're on episode 225. Isn't that great? Uh, 225 hours of spiritual programming. And I wonder if uh, people discover the show and say, hey, I want to go back and listen to all 225 hours. And, uh, you know, if you listened to one show a day, that's about three two-thirds of a year. It's about two-thirds of a year. And uh, I wonder if I should stop at 365 shows, one year of programming. Oh, my good God, I can't even fathom it. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. The Crystal Silence League, you know, was founded by Mr. Claude Alexander Conlon, a magical adept who took to the vaudeville stage to spread a message of mind power and positive affirmation because he taught new thought. He published books on new thought, and he taught how to use uh, – Silent Influence with the Aid of a Crystal, and we have lots of literature. If you go to www.crystalsilenceleague.org, as we are refurbishing and updating the website, you see we have a gift shop where you can buy crystals and buy crystal books and uh, all sorts of stuff. And um, join the Crystal Silence League by buying something or donating a small amount of money and uh, become one of us, one of us, one of us. Um, and uh, we do various things. Um, and of course, we are a prayer service. Prayer is always free. You, you post your prayer, and we get anywhere from 100 to 200 prayers a week posted, and we will all pray for you, the dedicates of the Crystal Silence League and the pastors. Uh, I'm a pastor, and we have uh, several of the pastors, the Ironwoods are the past, our pastors, and uh, Deacon Millett and uh, Miss McHale and uh, several others, several others listed on the uh, site. Many of us have our own churches. Uh, the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches. Uh, we will pray for you. We print many of the uh, prayers out and put them on a dedicated altar. Um, many do it every day. I used to do it every day. I do it now uh, three days a week. I just don't have the time and resources to do it every day anymore. And of course, we'll go over there in just a little while and um, um, have our uh, weekly prayers. But uh, let me uh, let me have a little sip of drink here to get my voice and uh, what's what's up? What's coming up? And now it's time for our crystal of the week. 
Oh, it sure is. And our crystal this week is Numite. And uh, Numite is a lovely crystal, sometimes called Sorcerer's Stone or the Magician's Stone. And it's a uh, grayish black stone with flecks in it. You hold it to the light, and you'll see uh, these blue and silver flecks. It looks like mica in it, like glitter. It looks like glitter. Uh, and there's all sorts of colors in it. You'll see blue and uh, purple and silver, green, sometimes violet um, flecks that go through it as the light goes through it. It's a very dull-looking stone just sitting by itself, but then you hold it to the light, and it explodes in color. And the purpose of Numite, it is a very magical stone. Uh, uh, tons of different vibratory energies that go through it. You can work it with your third eye, the crown chakra, uh, the root chakra, the heart chakra, um, it is a, a stone that bridges the physical realm with the spiritual realm. And because of this, many spirit mediums will work with it. Um, it will connect the mind with the earth, uh, used during meditation, dream work, um, uh, bridging the world of the living with the world of the dead. And uh, one reason I wanted to use it this week is because uh, many people who have a morbid fear of death, find the stone very calming. It, um, its uh, energy can transform the fear of death into an acceptance of death. And um, that's one reason why it's very good. I, I have a new my palm stone. Um, a palm stone is a scrying tool. It fits in the palm of your hand. And uh, you should find one that does fit in the palm of your hand as if it were a pool of liquid and uh, these are used for scrying purposes, and uh, I'll use it for um, meditation and for attempts to uh, contact the spirit world. But I don't have a lot more to say about it. It's a <clears throat> because uh, it, it's a stone of almost infinite use, uh, clairvoyance, clairaudience, um, um, astral projection. Uh, any any type of spiritual tool, scrying, uh, but it is a tool that I know many necromancers use uh, to bridge the emotional world of the physical realm with the emotional world of the spiritual realm, and um, it's a very powerful stone to work with, so approach it with respect, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Our topic is death. Um, we uh, death is something that happens to us all, and um, so it, it's very interesting to me that so many people fear it. Uh, it's inevitable, or or I won't experience it. And we've all, I think, pretty much all of us, anyone listening anyway, has experienced it at least indirectly. Um, we we've all lost somebody, and we deal with it in various ways. Some people deal with it very well, and some people don't. Um, uh, it can be devastating, the loss of someone we care about uh, to death. Um, th there's a question, and this is a, a question that depends on your belief. Is death the end of life? And we'll examine that in just a minute. For now, I think we should... Uh, go to a uh, an idea that if we pray and if we are people who believe in prayer we must believe that we pray to something or for something that exists outside of the physical realm with that said I want to prepare myself for that particular time of week and just give me just a second to center myself. And where is my crystal ball? Because I need that. And it is here somewhere. So just give me just a second. The time approaches for our weekly prayer service. If you are so inclined, join us at crystalsilenceleague.org to see this week's prayer requests. All right, 
website, www.crystalsilenceleague.org, on the prayer request page. We have uh, quite a few. We, we're our, uh, we, we preserve your anonymity here. We uh, don't call out your name. We do use prayer ID number. And so let's start with the 103484, who prays, please let my period start. I'm turning 41 in 13 days, and I'm terrified. Please, please, please let my period start immediately, please. Amen. In prayer ID 103483, please pray for T's father to get back in good health and for both of them to always be protected. Amen. And prayer ID 103482, who says, I don't like being a whiner, but I've had some health issues, COVID, total hip replacement. My kids are trying to be helpful, but they aren't. Kids screaming, yelling garbage all over. Oh, my goodness, I can relate to that. Um, you didn't raise them this way. And now I use a walker and still leave stuff all over the floor. How can I tell them to just leave me alone after they clean up their mess? I'll manage on my own. So mode it be. Amen. Oh, that's a parent. You know, that's, that's, the, that's the soul of a parent crying out. Prayer ID 103481. My stimulus check in the full amount arrives to me at my correct Chicago address very soon. Amen. There are people who still haven't gotten their stimulus check. Oh, my goodness. May the higher power get that check through to everybody. Prayer ID 103480. Lord, we need your protection from this COVID-19 virus. And we need you to remove this from us. Please protect me and my family and cover us in the blood of Jesus. Protect everyone from this and make our vaccine safe to take amen. And prayer ID 103479. My cat, Phantom, is sick. I think that's how that's pronounced, Phantom. By my divine presence, I am, I ask God to heal my cat, Phantom. So it is. And thank you. Amen. That's St. Gertrude, you know, who you pray to, and uh, Mother Julian, the cats. Prayer ID 103478, praying for healing and restoration for my hair and scalp and release of all swelling in my ankles. I also pray for miracle healing of feet and ankle swelling for my Aunt Kay and that she is protected during her travel this month. Thank you for praying and praying your prayers are answered too. Amen. You know, John um, 11.11, ask these things in my name and they shall surely be granted. Prayer ID 10, I think it's John 11.11, check me on that. Prayer ID 103.477. I pray for a full and speedy recovery from my kind and loving mother. She's perfectly well and healed and breathes normally room air without need of any assistance. That she lives for many decades to come in abundance of health, wealth, and happiness. Amen. Prayer ID 103476. Remove MW from MKT's life. Remove this MW from MKT's life. Permanently remove M from M's life. Destroy all links and ties to her from M's life forever. End all communication and contact now, forever and always. Amen. A love triangle. Prayer ID 103475. May the W brothers leave me alone, stop bullying me and my friends, that I be completely free from them bothering me. Amen. Prayer ID 103474. Praying for healing the hives for M. I pray she may find peace and be comforted during this time. I also pray she's divinely guided and protected during this time. Thank you for praying. Let's get a, a couple more here. Prayer ID 103473. Please bless me and let me receive the PERM approval in early April and H1B capture request approval. So I can go home in late April 2021 or first week of May 2021. Amen. I don't know what we were praying for there, but may it be true and good. Prayer ID 103470. Open the road for us to meet soon. Open the road for us to meet today. Open the road for us to meet now. Everything is different. Everything is different. Everything is different. Things are always, always working out for me. Amen. That was pretty. That was like a song. Prayer ID 103469. Please pray in whichever way you do for my friend. She's such a nice person. She's a great listener and has always been there for me. They don't know where they're going to live and have to be gone by the end of this month. 
thank you for listening. I'll try to keep you updated. Amen. We'll go down and get a... Oh, dear. Let's see. Uh, Priority 103-444. Please pray for my marriage. I want to stay married, although my husband cheated. Oh, dear. The other girl is pregnant and believes it's his child. Oh, dear, again. Please also pray for me and my husband to be patient with one another and to be open with one another as we move forward. Specifically, please pray for me as I need guidance and reassurance of the choice I am making. Amen. Son, you need to grovel for forgiveness. Prayer ID 103-443. His name is C. His brother G has his Yamaha moped. He said he's trying to get a clean title on it and then sell it. Hmm. I talked to psychics, and they said G is up to no good. Well, yeah, he can give it to me if he wanted to. It's my hope and prayer that a miracle happens or heaven and earth be moved to get this man to give me the scooter and not expect anything in return. I hope he will have a heavy conscience. Amen. Hmm. And prayer ID 103-440. Please join me in prayer, agreeing with me, complete deliverance in my life, that the strongholds will be broken, curses broken, unclean spirits cast out, and the oppressed will be set free in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have a moment of silent prayer for all those in need of comfort and deliverance and support. All right, well, my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. We have an interesting program today. We're going to talk about that great dragon that we all look at sometimes, death. Death. And death is something that scares some people. Death is something that thrills some people. Some people seek it. A lot of people deny it. And um, we uh, 
we have a whole lot of mythology about it. We have a lot of legend about it. We have a lot of urban legend about it. And um, we only have a short amount of time. We could talk about death for years, couldn't we? But we um, we want to really look at it. And um, we, uh, we we want to really um, – we want to really get into this, and the way I want to, um, I guess, get into this um, in depth is to look at the um, um, various points of view of it, and uh, and then dig it, dig deep into it. So, why don't we look at some of the ways of Looking at it analytically, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So death is really, you know, when I was a kid, there was this thing called the great unmentionable. And you know what that was? That was sex. <laughs> and uh, uh, But now death is a great unmentionable. If you really want to kill a conversation, uh, you um, just t- start talking about death. And, uh, you know, there you go. So uh, – You've ended it. Um, you just ended the conversation entirely. So we, um, uh, you know, we have a, um, uh, a great Paul. I'm, I'm just trying to figure out where to begin. I need I need an entry point. But death has replaced sex as the topic that you don't bring up and. Uh, except among people that, you know, are interested in it. But there's one thing that's certain in life, and that is we're going to die. So why is this such a taboo subject? Why is this so scary? Well, it's because um, there's so many religious um, points of view. Like the traditional Christian view, uh, most religions asserts that man has an immortal soul, which is created by God. And after death, a man or a woman, a person will in some shape, perform, or um, means receive the full extent of reward or punishment based on his or her deeds on earth. The good will go to heaven, and the wicked will go to hell. And heaven and hell are everlasting. It's forever. So many Christians, uh, even the fairly traditional ones, are very uneasy about this. um, uh, you know, it says in the Bible, none are perfect. No, not one. Um, but there's um, – there can be loopholes and reservations in some uh, Christian sects. You can buy yourself uh, indulgences. And it should be noted that uh, many Christian uh, sects believe that only man has this immortal soul, and the animals don't. At death, they just disappear. Now, a few Christians don't like that, and they hope to be reunited with their pets in this other world. Uh, there's the Rainbow Bridge. The animals cross, and they wait for their masters. So um, now, uh, deep inquiry uh, reveals that that's a, a genuine stumbling block when you start talking about uh, do animals have soul. You know, there's a famous Zen thing uh, 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 Moshu's dog, you know, does an animal have Buddha nature? And he said, new. And new is not no, but new is a negation. And is it a negation of the question, or do, do animals have Buddha nature? So, uh, but the secular view, this is the sign. Ah, there goes my phone. That's the uh, the scientific view. Um, uh, man is just another animal. Uh, and like the animals of the Christian view, uh, after death, you're gone, like a candle going out. And uh, uh, and you know, isn't this like a heritage from the Christian tradition? Um, it's like uh, you say, well, um, man, public man perishes, so um, um, doesn't uh, you know, animals perish? Doesn't man perish too? So um, we, you know, we wind up with the same sort of idea, 
and um, the um, um, uh, you know the idea um, is that we're a, uh, a biological machine, and that the idea of consciousness is a uh, uh, phenomenon of the brain. Um, so the secularist uh, caps this whole thing by saying man's an animal, therefore he has no soul. Right. So modern biology, medical science, psychology, et cetera, tend uh, to take this view for granted. And uh, 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 the person who considers themselves a secular humanist or a rationalist uh, thinks it's foolish to think of the idea of an immortal soul. And uh, this scientific basis is, at the very least, uh, the scientific basis for this, at the very least, is questionable. There's no evidence either way, right? But the proponents of this um, are often people who enjoy considerable prestige and are widely listened to. Um, you know, their their, uh, acad- their academic credentials are very impressive sometimes. Um, by those who don't feel uh, qualified to form an independent opinion on this subject. Now, uh, so we have these two views: the, uh, the immortal soul or the non-immortal soul. Now, the Buddhist attitude is very interesting and you know you had every kind of view we have today existed during the day of the buddha 3000 years ago there's nothing new there's nothing new in terms of views and uh, the buddhist attitude to both of these types of views is that they're extremes and neither of them are true neither are true uh, the first type of view is called in buddhism the heresy of eternalism and that is important to understand that phrase because it in Pali is Sasatavada, uh, Sasatavada, literally the heresy of eternalism, that there is something eternally uh, unchangeable that survives death. While the second is called the heresy of annihilationism, Ukeda Vada, the heresy of annihilationism. So these two extremes were considered heresies. They were, they were considered wrong. They both, in fact, missed the point. And what actually happens, according to Buddhism, can only be clearly understood if you make some acquaintance with the entire Buddhist view of the general nature of the human. And before you even consider that, uh, in terms of death, you know what happens when the body disintegrates, uh, uh, it's necessary to observe how the Buddhist view can be misinterpreted. This is what I I run into this a lot when I try to talk to what happens when you die? Well, uh, you you know, what happens to the soul where there's not a soul? Well, do you go to heaven? No. no. Well, what fun is that? You know, do you disappear? No, not really. Well, that doesn't make any sense. It's illogical. Well, no. Uh, You know, let's go to the beginning. So, you know, I, I don't even try to discuss it. Um, um, and people think nirvana is a kind of heaven, that nirvana is synonymous with heaven. But, you know, there are six heavens and six hells in Buddhism, but they're not permanent states, right? So um, uh, so if we say that in the Buddhist view, man is not distinguished from animals by the possession of an immortal soul, then this looks very much like the modern secular position. It's not right. If, on the other hand, it's pointed out that according to Buddhism, we reap the rewards and penalties after death for our actions in this life, right? Which some people think of as you know karma. You know, uh, uh, then this looks like the traditional Christian view, and if both propositions are stated to be correct, it looks like a contradiction, right? Uh, though in fact it's not. So these misapprehensions about Buddhism result from a failure to realize the kind of optical illusion that occurs when a middle position is viewed from one of the extremes. That's why the middle view is not picking two extremes and then dividing it in half. That's not what the middle the middle path does not mean picking extremes and dividing it in half. Uh, if an island is exactly in the middle of a river, then from either bank it looks closer to the opposite bank than to the observer. That's an optical illusion. Only an observer on the island can see that it's equidistant. 
so viewed it's probably not that great a metaphor but uh, uh, viewed from the extreme left any middle position looks much further to the right than it is and vice versa this also applies to politics by the way you know to the right a leftist looks like an extremist and to the left a rightist looks like an extremist uh, so the same phenomenon is commonly observable in politics and other walks of life it's you know it's that's why I'm, uh, uh, a middle path is impossible to conceive unless you're actually on a middle path. So in this case, um, the, the skilled Buddhist view is that the impersonal stream of consciousness, the impersonal stream of consciousness, which is awareness, the quality of awareness, not identity. Identity is a physical phenomenon, but the impersonal stream of consciousness, which is awareness, flows on driven by ignorance and craving dukkha and tata from life to life though the process is impersonal there's no sense of i am the whole sense of i am is an illusion a necessary function of a physical body the illusion of personality continues as it does in this life that is you actually, if you can completely grasp that, you understand what happens after the death of the body. There's a momentum of awareness, and that that awareness, that quality of awareness, is necessary for a for a sentient being to come into existence, whether it's a human being, a dog, a cat, um, down to whatever life has a mosquito, whatever life has awareness so in terms of absolute truth as as uh, opposed to conventional truth there's no immortal soul that manifests in a succession of bodies but in terms of the relative truth by which we're normally guided in life there's a being that is reborn being in the literal sense of being something is being action so in order to gain what is known as enlightenment it's a necessary step to come to a realization of the situation as it is according to absolute truth not conventional truth the conventional truth we see someone die and they're gone and in order to face and begin to understand that problem of death we can as a first step view it in terms of that relative truth that normally rules our lives and that has some validity in its own sphere. You uh, merely, in the present moment, remind ourselves that this is just a provisional view of things, that birth and death are part of a process, not a beginning or an end, but part of a continuing process that started in beginningless time. Buddha said no person can remember the beginning of this, and no person can conceive the end of it. And in this connection, we observe that we're dealing only with the question of death as it affects the ordinary person, not one who has attained awakening. And so we may, I guess, therefore say that, that Buddhism rejecting annihilationism outright, it, it's not possible. I, uh, that secular view, that rationalist view, is so absurd I'm, that, you, that you end. It's absurd. It's impossible to say that. You know, when I die, you know, when John dies, that I'm gone. It's it's impossible. It's absurd. It's completely absurd. Partly agrees with the eternalists to the extent – now, get this. Partly agrees with the eternalists to the extent of accepting a form of survival without, for the moment, considering the differences further. Something continues. Now, it, it makes a considerable difference, though. Um, to the outlook on life, whether we believe in any form of survival or not. And those who entirely reject the idea of survival inevitably concentrate all their ambitions and hopes for themselves and others on a single life on earth. And this life, they feel, is all they have, and for them the only reasonable goal can be the achievement of some kind of uh, satisfaction or contentment <clears throat> in this world, everything else being meaningless. And th this leads to a world of trouble um, 
just a world of trouble and um, misery and conflict and everything else. Um, um, so the um, the precise implications of this kind of attitude can depend greatly on a person's character. You know, a good person will try to do as much good as possible during a lifetime and a sensualist will try to uh, experience as much pleasure as possible. Right? It'd be gluttony or sexual uh, experiences or uh, murder, you know, killing people. Uh, it can, there, there's, there's no end of uh, evil a person can do who believes in uh, uh, and their own immortality. Uh, uh, and it's uh, an idealist may devote himself to all kinds of plans for bettering the human condition. And uh, it's been claimed, um, and not without some justification, that this view of things has led to a great many social improvements. So it's not necessarily bad. Uh, but if you look at the whole picture, it can be doubted whether all the social consequences of a purely uh, this world-only view have been beneficial. And even the idealist must admit that his hopes are strictly limited, um, not only concerning himself, but for the race itself. They'll inevitably die out one day, you know, possibly hastened to its extinction by man's own wicked folly and short-sightedness in uh, his incompetent attempts to control nature. Uh, and uh, the, those who are less idealistically inclined may tend to regard this one-life-only theory as an excuse for enjoying themselves uh, as selflessly as they like while they had the chance um, with no fear of afterlife consequences or really the effect they have on other people, wickedness. So there are many people who are more or less tormented by the fear of utter extinction at death, the idea that they're going to end it torments. And I've talked to people like this, terrified that when they die, they just drop into a black hole and it's gone. That didn't bother me. It doesn't bother me particularly, but uh, um, it sure does some people. Um, um, and to point out that this is illogical, it's useless. It's like, well, you won't know. <laughs> you know, if you just close your eyes, you know, you don't know. Um, for many such, um, fear of cancer or fatal diseases or war, uh, uh, natural disasters, not made any easier to bear because they see no future for themselves beyond the grave, right? And those who preach the we only have one life gospel too enthusiastically may forget in their zealousness for good causes and serial psychological harm they do to others. And this is why I have real problems with uh, atheists and rationalists uh, they they can do a lot of harm to these people who have this fear of annihilationism. And the problem is they don't care. They don't care if they're hurting other people. They say religion does more harm. So you see, the problem with extreme views, this is the problem with extreme views. The atheists say the religion does harm, and the and religion say the atheists do harm. When actually, extreme views of any kind does harm. An extreme view cannot help but do harm. Prove me wrong. So, fear of death is not confined to people who don't believe in an afterlife. It's universal. There's a um, Hamlet said, um, "In that sleep of death, what dreams may come." In the past, many have gone terrified of hellfire, terrified of punishment. You know, look at a. Um, uh, Botticelli's painting of Dante's Inferno. You know, oh my goodness, what a terrifying vision of hell. Uh, most believers, most would-be believers in survival after death settle for something vaguely comforting uh, with fulfillment. Uh, some, some have clearly uh, visualized details of the afterlife. Um, lack of belief in survival is not entirely incompatible with a religious attitude. Um, most sincere believers in all religions have some faith out of vague. Um, mo- most of the Jewish people I've talked to about the afterlife um, have little to say about it, um, not actually denying it. I've heard various um, uh, ideas about it, but not not a whole lot. Uh, probably many Orthodox Jews have little or no faith, from what I can tell. Um, 
probably be the reticence of most of the Hebrew Bible um, on the subject. And in this connection, the well-known concern of, uh, of Jewish people with their race and its continuance is significant. Um, the relation with, uh, um, uh, um, I believe, uh, that the individual uh, Jewish, Jewish individual is concerned with racial survival and not as much with personal survival. Um, secularist um, uh, philosophy sees to reject personal survival and hopes, pitches hopes on the human race. And the concern of a lot of Christian churchmen with social problems today uh, goes together with a marked reticence on the subject of survival. And uh, even with, uh, you know, this degree of skepticism and uh, um, it, it seems like there's a, a scarcely veiled uh, capitulation with uh, the secularist to the this uh, dominant materialistic outlook uh, that's prevalent in this age. Now, there are many who believe that they can get in touch with the departed mediums who say that they can do this or numerous. And uh, while we can't deny that some of them, and you can't tell how many, what percentage, are outright frauds, uh, and then another percentage are self-deluded. Uh, it would be it's, it's incorrect to say that um, it's always the case. This is always the case. Genuine clairvoyance and genuine spiritual healers and other such gifted people are, unquestionably exist. Unquestionably exist. As anyone who's prepared to undertake an impartial investigation can easily discover. But in the public mind, such people um, uh, tend, in the public mind, tend to be uh, seen suspiciously. Uh, uh, a lot of people in the public do dismiss uh, psychics as fraudulent or, at best, odd, weird. And those who consult them often do so secretly, uh, a lot of my clients do anyway, uh, guarding the fact from their friends. It's a kind of a guilty pleasure or guilty secret. And uh, some concern, uh, excessive concern with such matters uh, may not be a good thing. Uh, uh, too much interest in the dead may not be a good thing. Um, too much interest in past lives may not be a good thing. Um, um, the uh, But the uh, strident and to my mind, obsessively loud voice and scornful skepticism of uh, many rationalists and skeptics is simply an inadequate response to something of which they are woefully, and sometimes it seems even willfully, ignorant. And I do believe that that is rooted in the fear of death. And so this... Fear of death is deeply rooted in everybody, and uh, this propagation of this attitude of total skepticism can do much harm, and a lot of this can be laid to the root of um, psychologists like uh, like uh, Dr. Ernest Jones, who's the biographer of Freud, uh, who, along with a lot of Freudians, uh, considered it necessary to declare that it was important to eliminate from one's mind all belief in an afterlife. Did you know that? In uh, a lot of the Freudian psychoanalysis uh, encourages uh, atheism. Um, now, um, we find that um, um, the effects of this, though, can be really harmful. Now, I'll tell you that Buddhism is actually an even better and more radical method of dealing with one's repressions than psychoanalysis, and is often a hard task to convince people that they have, in fact, not transcended, <clears throat> but merely repressed their fear of death. And um, uh, we have to consider seriously the possibility that we've done just this sometimes, bearing in mind that the nature of things, um, an immediate negative reaction proves nothing. If, in fact, there's any instinctive tendency to shy away from the whole subject, the answer is actually obvious. Although it may be hard to accept, it's due not only to the fear itself, but to conceit, the belief that one is advanced. So, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> so, um, 
So the man who thinks or wants to think otherwise um, is in something of a dilemma, right? Assuming that we're not we're not psychic or drawn to spiritualism or something like that, uh, nor if a person is not an orthodox believer in a traditional faith, um, he's probably plagued by doubts and has at best only a hazy notion of what he or she believes, right? And uh, this person may indulge in speculation, but it's not clear to this person on what basis he or she can judge the possible validity of these ideas about what happens after death. So under the impact of his surroundings, uh, his belief, vague, although it may be, but may be based on some genuine intuition, some analysis, some observation, it's liable to be weak. And during times of crisis, may collapse altogether. So in, in, in this case, there may be a resolute dismissal of all such ideas as wishful thinking. And maybe for a time, there may be even a sense of relief. And uh, especially if this person's thoughts of the afterlife arouse fears of some awful judgment. And um, maybe this is why, for these reasons, uh, thinkers like Dr. Jones and other atheists advocate the course they do. But it doesn't solve the initial problem, this existential dilemma. Why am I afraid to die? So the negative attitude is the outcome of the materialistic view of the world, although it's still held by many scientists, that's in fact outmoded. Being in sense materialistic, it tends also to reduce our respect for human life. And the traditional Christian view that animals have no souls is in fact semi-materialistic in a sense. And those who think that man is a special case tend all too easily to take the view for which unfortunately there is biblical support that animals are totally subservient to him and can be treated as of no account. Hence there's factory farming and many other such horrendous things. And the true materialist goes a step further and regards man himself as an animal in a sense and therefore not immune to random cruelty. And the true materialist goes a step further and and regards man himself as devoid of soul and true emotion. And the extreme consequence of a radical application of the side they can be witnessed in many places at this day and are often utterly appalling as their attitudes that perhaps some humans are evolved and some humans are not. But even when tempered with liberal humanism, they can be pretty bad. Power over life and death is given to the medical profession and others to a degree, which is sometimes quite appalling. Transplant surgery, to take an example, is based on the view of death, which is entirely unethical by traditional standards, apart altogether from any religious consideration. And similar objections apply to demands for virtually indiscriminate actions. So death and the Buddhist. We'll come back after station identification. And now we'll pause for station identification. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. What should be a truly even-handed view toward death? We'll say a Buddhist attitude toward death, but an even-handed view toward death. Well, note that in traditional Christianity, like the Roman Catholic Church, now, I want to say that the Roman Catholic Church has more wisdom in spite of its flaws um, than is often given credit for. Great attention is paid to the dying. 
Special rites are performed, and every effort is made to help the dying person pass on what is considered the right frame of mind. And that is very important in Buddhism. The, the moment of death of the consciousness is very important in Buddhism. Many Buddhists will not take painkillers at death. They want to die with a clear mind. There is a moment of death called the death consciousness, um, which conditions the next moment of rebirth consciousness to the new being. And if you die confused and um, um, muddled, uh, it, it said that the last moment of consciousness is the single most important condition in the rebirth of the new being. And uh, the borrowed total, the, uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, uh, is an instruction manual on how to prepare someone to pass through the bardo to the next life. It's very interesting reading. So um, to those with no belief in the hereafter, it's meaningless. You know, you're going to die, you're going to just disappear, right? But to Buddhists and other uh, non-Catholic survivalists, uh, they may be able to certain criticism, but the principle is wholly admirable. In Tibetan Buddhism especially, there's these observances of a very similar nature, while in Theravada countries, it's part of the duties of a vipassana bhikkhu to assist the dying. Now, the frame of mind in which a Buddhist should die is not quite the same as that expected of an adherent of a theistic religion, but at least it's better to try to give the dying such understanding as one can than to drug them in unconsciousness. It's an almost routine measure. That way they'll pass on to another existence in much the same state of blindness and confusion with which they have gone through this life. Let's note once again that these considerations can only be rejected as quite valueless if we are perfectly certain that there is no form of afterlife. And even on that basis, it might be very cruel to deprive many of the dying people of such comfort. Therefore, the suggestion made in the humanist circles that hospital chaplains should be abolished can only be characterized as wicked. Some such chaplains may be pretty useless, but the majority can give the sick and dying at least some comfort. Ideally, of course, in my opinion, <laughs> they should all be highly trained Buddhist bhikkhus. Uh, however, uh, when one is actually dying, it's a bit late to begin thinking seriously about death. Um, most people are going to die uh, frightened and confused. Um, um, we should familiarize ourselves with the thought long before we hope it will happen. We should rehearse our own deaths. Please consider that we should rehearse our own deaths. I've rehearsed mine many times. I know exactly what I'm going to do. Um, I, I've actually dreamed about dying, uh, and I know what I'm going to do. I know how what the mindset that I'm going to uh, enter. Uh, which is why the thought of death doesn't bother me. I've rehearsed it. I know what I'm going to do. Um, and even for the young and strong, death can come with unexpected suddenness. Um, there's uh, a uh, more is certa or incerta. Death is certain. The hour is uncertain. And bear this in mind, uh, for the Buddhists, a very important aspect of right understanding. That is, a, that is one of the things you learn in right understanding, one of the uh, eight steps. And therefore, the Buddhist practice of meditation on death, not a very popular thing in the West, but very important in Buddhism, it should be encouraged. Death of the Buddhists is not the absolute end. It's a transition, but it does mean the breaking of all ties that bind us to our present existence, and oh, how we hold on to this existence. I was thinking about what what scares us about death, right? And uh, it's it's letting go of our stuff. You know, it, it's our stuff. It's the people that we're attached to. It's the uh, our house, our music, our belongings. It's all that stuff. And I said, if we didn't have all that stuff, death wouldn't get scary. You know, our, our pets, our uh, friends, our family, our social connections, uh, you know, it's like all, all these things that are holding on to us and that we're holding on to. Uh, and uh, if, if you didn't have all that connection, all that attachment, you know, I, I can just see there on your, on your death and go, oh, I want to hear this song one more time. I want to taste this ice cream one more time. I want to experience, experience, experience. And that is the very essence of attachment. And that's why things continue. And uh, um, so there is 
one word for enlightenment, uh, um And one of the names for nirvana is amata-um, the deathless state. And for those who have not gotten so far along the path, death is inseverable from birth. They, they are the same. The existence in the phenomenal world, samsara, is continual birth and death, birth and death, birth and death. The one cannot be understood without the other. One cannot exist without the other. But the path that leads to deathlessness, the deathless state, that's one of the names of nirvana, of nirvana, amata um, uh, you're never born again, you never die again. And we all fear death. Yeah, you know, I've had people say, well, you know, death, I'm not afraid of death. Death is not suffering. You know, you're a goddamn liar. It's just you've never matured enough to where you uh, conceive your own death. Uh, I mean, I'm actually, you know, talking to Buddhism with some young idiots. Uh, so Buddha said, birth is suffering, old age is suffering, sickness is suffering, death is suffering. And people are not, I'm not afraid of death. Boy, you're a goddamn liar. Um, but actually, you know, we should fear the rebirth that follows, not just death. We should fear the rebirth that follows. Um, in practice, it doesn't always happen. Fear of rebirth is less strong than death. Because a lot don't believe in rebirth. Well, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe. You know, you, you cannot believe in the piano that's falling out of the window about to hit you, but the piano is going to hit you, man. Um, in practice, uh, doesn't always happen. Fear of rebirth is less strong than death, right? It's part of our usual short-sighted view, and the fact must be faced. Full enlightenment will only be achieved when there's the will to transcend all forms of rebirth, even the pleasantness. And rebirth occurs moment by moment. Rebirth is not something that happens only after death. It happens moment by moment. That rebirth must end, too. Uh, A first step is acceptance of the fact that rebirth may help to overcome the fear of death, the attachment to rebirth itself must be gradually overcome. Now, even though there's a fear of death, it's also a wish for it, the death wish, a desire for it. And uh, psychoanalysis has a good deal to say about this. Psychology does, but not a very illuminating. But the fact remains that many people show suicidal tendencies, actually commit suicide. And Buddha, in fact, included this death wish as the third of three kinds of craving. Beside desire for sense pleasures, we find in the formula of the second noble truth the desire for becoming, vavatanya, and the desire for cessation, vavatanya. Since life, by its very nature, frustrating, we can never get it on our own terms, and therefore there is an urge to be quit of the whole thing. And the fallacy, of course, lies in the fact that one cannot just step out so easily. Since death by suicide, like any other death, is followed immediately by rebirth in some other plane or other, sometimes worse than that which you've left. Which is why in Christian view, suicide is a mortal sin. That means you're going to go <laughs> go, go straight to hell. So um, we're running out of time. I guess we can pick this up next time. Uh, but why not? I said death is a big subject. We'll pick it up next time. So uh, you know the Reverend loves you. Don't die. Don't die before next week, and we'll pick this up again. See you next time. This has been the Crystal Silence League Hour, heard exclusively on the LMC Radio Network. Join us next time for spiritual fellowship and discussion of spirituality, prayer and advice on the practical use of crystals. It's been 30 days since the county bought it up my window and took the kids away. A simple life disappeared on tiptoe. I'm talking to a maid who reads tomorrow's past and present mysteries. He's an eastern bay. Rich with family history The shepherds, the church of divine harmony Serving lost lambs of Knoxville, Tennessee He faithfully prays with the crystal Sally
jack he feeds at nightly Hanging from a chain He sealed his hair in wax And wound it tightly Sweet with oil's cologne Clearing paths of sandalwood and chicory Decorating homes With babies far strong instead of victory He shepherds the church of divine harmony Served 